Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking your time to be with us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the sport of kings. What else is there to talk about? Well, there's plenty, but we love the sport of kings here. That's what we do here at Winning Ponies. The weather. Ben Sizzling. Hope everyone had a very safe and happy 4th of July. But it's just getting sizzling now. It's not even August yet. And, buddy, let me tell you what. It's hot all across, as everyone is well aware, especially Winning Ponies, because they're sweltering as well with over five point three million in exotic payouts very nice indeed industry leading easy win forms making your day at the races enjoyable profitable and effective you gotta love that that's that's good for all handicappers from the brand new novice to the hardcore handicapper everyone can take a piece of the puzzle and make it more profitable enjoyable in 60 seconds, you can be signed up. doesn't take two hours to sign up in a bevy of forms. 60 seconds, and you are ready to roll. We have stories, blogs, news, free selections, and industry-leading easy win forms. We have color-coded tiers making it very easy, handy icons, speed ratings for this race, and a composite for the last three, turf ratings, which I love. I, I'm just a turf madman. I love the turf. State-of-the-art rider trainer numbers. So check us out, www.winningponies.com. Stop gambling and start winning. 5.3 million exotic paths. Pretty sweet, pretty sweet, I say. What's on deck for tonight? we got to recap of last week. Talk about what was happening in the great world of racing. Biggins, that's our report card check. It's like taking it home to mom and dad and letting them see how you've done. Hopefully you were a part of it. Not a braggart stone, good or bad. We're going to toss it out there. Some news stories, plural, to wet your whistle. Segment number two, Maryland, Virginia trainer, Mr. Ferris Allen, going to be joining us. Tied with Michael Pino right now. Might even be ahead of him. Very nice guy. He's going to be joining us. Number two, Highly touted as one of the good guys in racing by a very good friend of mine, Tyler Picklesheimer, who is the racing secretary at Colonial Downs. By the way, this week, Virginia Derby, $600,000 up for grabs. Mr. Ferris Allen going to join us in segment two. Segment three, 
We're going to bring aboard hot-handed rider in the Midwest, on the West Coast, East Coast, everywhere, Mr. John Kenton Court. And if you're not familiar with John Court, if you remember back to jockeys, he was the guy that was always smiling, and he can dish it out and make it happen. John Court, hot hand, dangerous guy to be dealt with here. Don't leave him out of your exotics, but he's going to be joining us in segment number three. And if time allows, we'll have a little news and a little final furlong handicapping here with yours truly. But we have an alert. We have an alert. I would be remiss not to say it, and I'm going to throw it out in the first segment. My man, Dangerous Dan, joined us last week. We did the Summit of Speed at Calder. He was three for four at Calder and had a 2160 winner. Now, this is all according to Dan, and he would not fib to me. Danny had a good day. I was very pleased. Danny's a very good handicapper. When he joins us, he always adds a whole lot of dimension to the show, and hopefully we'll get him on here again very shortly. All right, let's jump in and do a little recap of exactly what happened last week. The Man of War, Belmont, grade one, $600,000, went a mile and three-eighths on the weeds. Winner, Cape Blanco, ridden by Jamie Spencer for Aiden O'Brien by two and three parts. Over Gio Ponte, the heavy favorite and boisterous, rounds out the try. And if you're still scratching your head, who's Jamie Spencer? Go back in your noggin to the Arlington Million. I believe he was about 16 or 17 years old. He was aboard a horse called Powers Court. And the reason I know this is because I'm still crying, just usually off the air. And he won with Powers Court, but actually came across and impeded another rival, and he was taken down. Jamie Spencer, very nice rider. When you see him, especially teaming up with Aiden O'Brien, take a hard look. Kate Blanco, very nice winner of the Man of War. The Hollywood Gold Cup, a grade one Hollywood Park, $500,000 up for grabs, going a mile and a quarter. First dude, we got the Bob Baffert sandwich here. First dude, Martin Garcia, Bob Baffert wins by a nose over Game On Dude. Chantel Sutherland, Bob Baffert, top and bottom, the Baffert sandwich here, taking down all of the money. Twirling candy rounds out the try. And then we got the Princess Rooney. It's a grade one call to race. $350,000 up for grabs, going six panels. Sassy image was sassy and nasty. Mike Smith was in town, and not for nothing, for Mr. Dale Romans. Wins by a neck over musical romance. Indulgence rounds out the try. Then we had the Smile Sprint Handicap Grade 2 at Calder. We had a lot of rain down there. I believe Dan called it a tropical wave. I just called it a lot of rain. He's more of a Floridian. I'm, I'm not. $350,000 up for grabs. Giant Ryan is the winner. Cornelio Velasquez in the irons for Fisbath Parbu. Wins by a neck over Irrefutable and Noble's Promise rounds out the try. Delaware Oaks at Delaware Park. $300,700 right on the end. you got to love that. I, I love it when the, and the trainers love it. The owners love it. $300,700. $300,700. Love it. Mile and the 16th, the more money, the better. St. John's River came out of the clouds. Three-year-old Philly. Jose Lascano for Andrew Lesio wins by a head over Strike the Mood and all for three rounds out the try. The American Derby, grade two at Arlington Park, $200,000 up for grabs. Will Cox in, Robbie Alvarado, Mike Stidham wins by four over Sun Tracer and Derby Kitten rounding out the try. The carryback, a grade two at Calder. Indiano, Luis Saez for Marty Wolfson wins by three solid links over Smash. Cal Nation rounds out the try. The Swap Stakes, a great two at Hollywood, 150000 up for grabs. 
Dreamy Kid dreams right into the winner's circle with JoJo Talamo for Neil Drysdale by a head over Coyle. And Uncle Sam rounds out the try. Then we had the Robert Jick Memorial Grade 3 Delaware. <laughs> I like this. $202,000. $202,000. I like that. I like to give them as much as you can possibly squeeze out because they earn it. A mile and three eighths on the weeds. Cheetah, winner. Very nice ride here indeed by Jose Les Count of Christoph. Clement, three and three parts. Bubbly Jane, second. Dinah Waltz rounds out the try. The Modesty, grade three at Arlington, 150,000. Fantasia, Rajiv Mirage, uh, Jonathan Shepard teaming up to win by a solid length over Roman Robin and My Baby Baby rounds out the try. The Arlington Handicap, grade three at Arlington Park, Tasha Weed. James Graham wins by a solid length and a half over Mr. Marty Gras and Dean's Kitten. The Azalea, at great, it's a grade three at Calder. Once again, we had a lot of rain down there. Devilish Lady, right to the winner's circle. Daniel Centeno wins by a head over White Merlot and my pal Christie. Kind of gives you a little tidbit of what is happening, and especially a gentleman is holding online. We're going to be getting to him very shortly here, Mr. Ferris Allen. I'm sure he had a, a busy, hot day in Virginia. We're going to be checking in with him. He's spending a little time with us, and we shall be grabbing Mr. Allen here momentarily. But until then, we're going to talk about the big ends. Now, this is kind of like a report card. You've got to take it home to mom and dad, let them sign it. On Friday, July 8th, there were 148 total big ends. Lone Star led the pack. Race number nine, a superfecta key. Winning ponies pumped it out there, $23,916 and 80 cents. I hope you tipped your clerk well on that one. That is a smoker. Saturday, July 9th, 213 total bingots. Emerald Downs leads the pack. Race three, a super box, $3,821.40. Gotta love that. Sunday, July 10th, 100 total bingots. Fort Erie, race six, a super key. Get a hold of this one, $11,689.40. Once again, Leave a tip and not the 40 cents. Monday, July 11, 67 total bingens. Mountaineer race one, a superfecta key, $4,568 even. Tuesday, July 12, 53 total bingens. Sun Ray leads the pack, $8,871.60 for a superfecta box in race number two. Wednesday, the 13th of July, 62 total bingens. Indiana Downs race three, a superfecta key, $12,250 and 80 cents. Thursday, July 14th, yep, that's today. 29 total biggins, and racing is still being conducted. Calder leads the pack thus far. $5,002.20 on a Superfecta. That's not bad shooting at all. So that kind of gets you caught up to where Winning Ponies was at. Hopefully you were aboard for each and every one of them, if not most of them. Kind of like that. And uh, each and every week we kind of throw it out there. We want to give a kind of a self-report and we want it to be transparent and it's also on the website so you can take a look at it take a breeze over the testimonials as well doing a little bit of reading for a little story to kind of wet our whistle as we have three minutes to the break and then we're going to join with mr ferris allen he's going to be joining us here jenny reese i I love i love reading her stuff now there was some good and bad of this and i'm going to try to encapsulate it a bit churchill downs making the best of the spring meet and it said a record derby attendance, 164,858. I was there, and it was, it was packed. The first million-dollar oaks, a tornado that struck without injuries to people or horses, thank goodness. Two-person creases, that is beautiful. That's fabulous. 
and, and the aftermath of everything, once you actually take a look at it, the field size has eked up to 7.99 from 7.75 in 2010. Now, that's good news. That is really good. Better, they, they seem resigned to short fields, but Churchill wasn't helped by some of the outfits using their stall space to get horses ready to run elsewhere. I know it's about the bottom line dollar, but it does happen, and that's why Kentucky racing more than ever could use a little bit of a boost. And showing the level of competition, I'm telling you what, their marketing department did a terrific job, a terrific job with closing the weekend with red, white, and blues, festival featuring good blues bands and dollar beer products and hot dogs, hoping it returns next year. Gotta love that. I, I, when, when I read that, it, it, it makes me feel good that actually Kentucky Racing is, is still thriving and going, and it's actually just more than just alive. It, it, it's surviving and making big moves. The Downs After Dark, designed to incorporate nightlife racing and dancing as the evening falls upon the historic Twin Spires, attendance for night racing events averaged 27,898 compared to an average attendance of 7,500 for a typical Friday afternoon card. So they're doing some of the right things. They're stepping out of the box, and they're making things happen. Kudos, Churchill. Now we got some other products in uh, Kentucky. Right now Keeneland's on, or excuse me, it'll be Ellis Park on deck, then Turfway, then Keeneland, and it'll be here before you know it. Read something here, and i got to throw it out to you. Who has the most gambling in the nation? This is according to the H2 Gambling Capital Firm, revealing some unexpected results. Las Vegas is not even in the top ten. Okay, from ten down, ten is Spain. Losses per adult, $418. Greece is nine, 420. Norway, eight, 448. Hong Kong, 503. Italy, six at $517. Finland is fifth at 553. Canada, 568 in fourth. Ireland is third at 588. Singapore is two, 1,174. Australia, 1,288. They are firing in the land down under. And if you notice, Las Vegas wasn't even mentioned. And they're not even in the top ten. Now, this is money lost on all types of betting, ranging from lotteries, casinos, racing, poker machines, online gambling, etc., that is from around the world. Just wanted to kind of toss that out there and uh, kind of let you, uh, let you, let you in on the, uh, the big secret that there's other countries out there that are firing away, so they're doing something right. Kudos and congratulations. Frank Miramati selected as Oakland's next announcer. When they open up in January, they're going to be greeting by the sound of Mr. Frank Miramati. He's going to replace Terry Wallace, who announced that he was going to be retiring Miramati was selected from a large pool of applicants. He will become the fourth announcer in Oakland's 107-year history. Good luck, Frank. I think you're going to do a great job. Well, it is time to head to our first break, and when we return, we'll be chatting with professional trainer from Virginia, Maryland, and all points elsewhere, Mr. Ferris Allen, here on Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. 
America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to be with us. Because without you, there'd be no us, and we are eternally grateful. Speaking of eternally grateful, I was given a name of a gentleman that I've been watching ply his trade and take horses to the track, and he was actually, Ed, you need to talk to this gentleman. It comes from one Mr. Tyler Picklesheimer, a racing secretary at Colonial Downs, and he said he's a, he's a bright lad, he's a, he's a good fella, and he's a good horseman. Joining us now is Mr. Ferris Allen. Ferris, are you there? Yes, sir. Well, thanks for taking your time, and uh, either, I, I think we were talking off the air, you must have bought Tyler a dinner or a pizza, which was it? Oh, it was a big dinner, and he, it was so big he passed on dessert. <laughs> that, that, you know what, I, I'll never call a gentleman a fibber, but I know that's a fib. He wouldn't pass on dessert if they, if, unless they ran out. But, uh, oh, he, had a, he had a pretty good meal on me. <laughs> well, good. I, and and you're do, speaking of... Uh, having a good meal on you that actually goes along with uh with a trainer doing very well and you and mr michael pino are kind of duking it out yeah michael's having a blazing hot meat down here at colonial and and uh you know we're doing fine ourselves and we're we're one win apart the trainer standings right now with him one on, one on top of us 
Uh, it's a very contentious race. Both of you are, are, are very, very solid horsemen. I've been watching watching the game for a long time. And, and as Tyler said, Ed, you know, chat with Ferris Allen. He says, I, I think that, you know, you're really going to enjoy and enjoy just talking horses with him. And once again, thanks for your time. I, I've watched your runners at various circuits and, and have enjoyed your success at the Windows. But your education for you started long ago at the foot of your father, Mr. Burt. Ferris Allen, if I have that correct, can you tell us, yep. our, our listeners, a little bit about how you fell in love with racing? Oh yeah, I sure, I sure can. I um, I grew up, uh, you know, in in uh, Virginia, um, about 20 miles south of where Secretariat was born, um, and of course Secretariat was born in Dawswell, Virginia. I grew up just outside of Richmond, a little community called Verina, and uh, and my dad. Uh, just loved horses. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any background, but he learned how to shoe his own horses. Uh, uh, the farm manager at the at the meadow, a fellow by the name of Bob Bales, let him have a, a couple of rejects from from uh, the meadow stable. And our racing stable was started when I was about eight years old. And uh, and so we've uh, I grew up with some horses in the backyard. And when I got done with college, it wasn't. Uh, very long before I just had to uh, give training horses a try. Well, with your father being, uh, when I when I read about your father, I, I like to do my homework on anyone I'm going to chat with, and kind of makes it more interesting for me. I, I kind of learn a bit about you, and then when we chatted, kind of unfolds like a book. Uh, it seems like your father was was a master of many things. He's he had a pretty full life. Yeah, he was he was quite a guy. In fact, uh, about ten years ago, uh, one of my owners named a horse after my dad, and my, my dad for many years was sort of the presiding mayor of Colonial Downs, and and my owners named a horse uh, a girl on each arm because every time I'd win a race, he'd come to the winner's circle with a girl on each arm. <laughs> There couldn't be anything better. They named one after me. It was called Old and Ugly, but, uh, you know, we got to take what we get. <laughs> but yeah, I, think I was... there are a lot of people think that horse was named after them. <laughs> well, I, I have to say that many people actually put put the finger right on me, and and he actually ran up to his name. Your time in the irons, and now I read that you were you were once upon a time an early rider on an undefeated pony by the name of Firecracker. Yeah, there's a... Uh... Uh, there's a great uh, story behind that. Firecracker was, believe it or not, born on the Fourth of July, and he was uh, he was the result of, uh, as I said, Dad started with nothing, so he had a, uh, a, a thoroughbred stallion and a Shetland pony mare, and the stallion got over the fence, bred the mare, and a really <laughs> fast, fat pony was born, and his name was Firecracker. So. So you went to the winter circle a few times. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, for some uh, for some pop and lunch money and uh, maybe a little money on the side. Well, they had a, a little uh, country fair circuit, if you would, throughout the middle of Virginia back then. It was uh, three Saturdays in a row and during the month of May. And from ages 10 to 12, I uh, rode that pony uh, to an undefeated career. I think he was ended up being about 13 and 0. In his, in his career, there were just no other ponies that could keep up with him, and it didn't make. As long as I stayed on, you know, which I managed to do, um, he won. So the pony was so fast that when I was uh, 13, uh, my dad decided I was uh, seasoned enough to to ride in the races on that circuit against the adults. And so uh, when I think about my own 
son when he was 13 riding races against the Tulsa. It kind of makes me quiver, but that's what I was doing. <laughs> well, the Firecracker lived up to his name in 13, and uh, wow, that that is incredible. It, You know, I didn't know this until actually I was going through Preakness Files. In the early days of the Ferris Boys operation, there was a, a big horse to your father's barn in the 86 Preakness. Yeah, his name was Miracle Wood. He's 28 years old, and he's still he's living on my dad's farm today. He was a gelding, uh, so he had, had obviously no stud value. And uh, uh, he was a, a pretty nice horse. He won uh, a half million dollars, and uh, he ran you know all over the country during his three year old year. He was second in the in what was then the Jim Beam Stakes, and he was uh, 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 third in the in the Cherry Hill Mile in the Garden State Stakes, and fifth in the Preakness. He uh, he had a lot of, of good paydays. When you made mention of the Jim Beam, I, I, I live in northern Kentucky, and with uh, Tyler Picklesheimer, he uh, hails from the same area. I, I, I'm going to probably be 99% wrong. Did Vincent Brickell ride your horse? No, he rode a horse called Broadbrush that day. Broadbrush, and he, yes. And, and, <laughs> and he, um, he won the race off any second. And uh, uh, my horse was ridden that day by Donnie Miller, Jr., and, and later in his career was written by the great Mario Pino, who's coming up on 6,500 wins. Oh, incredible. That's, that yep. is an incredible number. So I, I, was, I was in the right church, but just wrong pew. I, 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 when, you, when I talked to 86 Preakness, you mentioned Jim Beam. I, I remember uh, it was about the time of Rob Brush, but, but that, that was quite a year, and it's great it for every trainer. We were, the, we were the same year. We were both out of Maryland, and, and uh, he was about a length, a length and a quarter better than we were. And we, we ducked him when we could, but we faced him a couple of times. <laughs> and speaking about facing it up now, if, if I have this correct, you attended William and Mary and played baseball, came home to coach and teach, but that really wasn't your calling. Well, uh, I very much loved that part of my life. And, uh, and, and and basically, after three years of doing that, um, I decided I'd take a, a try at training horses full time. I was training some horses during summers and my spare time, so to speak, before then. And I just decided to try it full time. That was 1977, and I really had never looked back. I love what I do. Oh, it, by playing ball and, and any time you're doing anything with the youth, it's uh, it's never a loss, and, and no matter what level. And uh, I. Th- I've seen more people in racing, uh, especially if they've graduated from college, they, they were starting to be a teacher, myself included, and uh, mm-hmm. things happen. <laughs> we just, it gets in our blood and just takes us in another direction. Well, I'll tell you, I really enjoyed that, that part of things. And when I'm, I, I taught and coached here in, in Virginia, very near Colonial Downs, and I see a lot of my own old uh, you know, teaching colleagues um, during the meet down here every year. And, uh, I should mention that I was lucky enough to coach one uh, major league player, a guy named Andy Allenson, who was a catcher for the Cleveland Indians for a lot of years. He was a great guy wow. and was a good big leaguer. Does he remember uh, Coach Allen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a few years. I, I think he's somewhere around, but when you're training racehorses for a living, you don't have uh, have time to be running down your old friends very much. You know? uh, not a lot of time to do much of anything. <laughs> let, let me ask you, Ferris. That's Amore. I, I always kind of thought, well, it is, it's for the song, but that's Amore Stables. Tell me a little bit about this and uh, and about the partnership involved. 
let me tell you, there's a great guy by the name of Frank Vespi who is, uh, if anybody's looking for just a fun racing partnership to be in with a with a guy that's going to treat you fairly, and and keep you informed and let you have time, Frank is just a guy. He's uh, unpretentious. Um, he doesn't pull any punches. Things are just like they are, and he's a great guy to do business with. He and I have been doing business for I guess about five years, and uh, um, he's just he's just a great. Uh, a great fellow for anybody that's looking to make a small investment and get their feet wet in the horse business. A lot of times when people enter into the game, if you don't have that, that common goal in mind, you, you can have a lot of squabbling and, and a lot of feelings uh, are hurt. But if you have the right people that come together at the right time with the right goals in mind, there's no better place in the world to be. Well, I think somebody that's new to owning horses, the first thing that they need is somebody to tutor them through their first experience. And Frank has just uh, got tireless patience, and I, sometimes I don't know how he does it. I like people and like being around people, but you know, when 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 ten people own a piece of a of a horse that they put up a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars a piece to own, um, you know, the questions get a little. It's kind of like how many questions are you going to answer about this fifth place finish that's nondescript, you know? <laughs> and Frank and Frank just Frank just sits there and half and. and uh, and is very patient with his with his owners and and make sure that they're you know that they're happy with their level of understanding of what's going on. Well, that keeps people into the game when when they actually feel like they're a part of it. In the course of a year, and we 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 find your operation in a few different places year to date. And now it may be a few more than this: two hundred forty six starts, twenty eight wins, thirty five seconds, thirty four thirds. Uh, better than a half a million in purses, 15 for 31 at Colonial, if not better than that. And you and Mr. Michael Pino are putting on a show, as I said earlier. In the course of a year, where where can we see your stable travel to? Well, for the last half dozen years or so, we've run basically two full-scale operations. One of them does Colonial Downs and the Maryland Circuit. Um, and the other one does a northeastern circuit, usually either Delaware Park, which is where we are now, or Mammoth Park, and the other half of it is Gulfstream in the winter. And uh, so, so basically, if you're up and down the East Coast, that's where we are. We're going to run into you in an OTB and or the track if we're lucky enough. And this Saturday is the big day, Virginia Derby Day, $600,000 up for grabs. And actually, you have four in on that day. That's a, that's a pretty busy day for you. Yeah, it's, it's about standard for this time of year. We, we're traditionally at the top of the standings at this meet, and, and we have good relationships with, with horse owners and trainers up and down the East Coast who send horses into us for this meet. And so, uh, you know, so this year is no different. We, you know, we've been very busy here. Well, busy is good, and I love to hear it. Ferris, I usually wind up an interview with something I call the Final Four. It's like Jeopardy without the money. And, uh, are you willing to stand up and take the final four? Do I have to answer this in the form of a question? <laughs> now you're going to trick me. Uh, see, I said keep it easy and simple for me. But the final four is coming your way. Are you ready, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm as ready as I'm going to get. All right, question one. They say it's hot across the country, but I heard in New Kent, Virginia, it's about 10 degrees hotter. Is this a true statement? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, the hot one has been Michael Pino right now, and I'm hoping that changes over to Ferris Allen. <laughs> well, let, let, let's hope so, and we'll keep our fingers crossed, and you do the, you do the hard work, and, and we'll just do the cheering in the stands. 
Question two, what hobbies, if any, do you have? Oh, I, I still do something that I treasure. It's called playing baseball. I just oh. turned 60, and in October, I'm going to Arizona to play in the uh, 60 and over men's senior baseball World Series. Wow. That is incredible. Best of luck. What, what position do you play? I'm a second baseman because I've got a bad arm. <laughs> but you got a hot glove. That's, that's okay. Well, that's a good trade-off there. Question yeah. three, and now you kind of touched on this with Asamori, but would you advise potential owners to get in the game, and how should they do it if they wish to? Oh, yeah. One thing that, uh, that I think people really miss, everyone kind of wants their own sports franchise, all of this rotisserie league stuff that goes on. There's nothing that matches the thrill of, of, of owning a piece or all of your own racehorse. Um, if you can't own an NFL team or, or, or uh, a yacht or something like that, you know, being able to jump in and own a little piece or something, and when that horse goes out and runs and it runs for you, it's a special experience that you know, people don't realize until they actually do it. I agree. There's nothing like it to see your silks aboard a rider. And actually, we have a hot rider on deck who's going to be joining us here shortly, Mr. John Court. So we're going to be jumping out to him shortly. Question four for the final four. For an aspiring trainer or someone in the game, do you have any words of advice for their career? An aspiring trainer? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, um, don't overreach. Um, there's there are lots of instances where you can where you can take on more than you're ready to take on, and you need to be prepared for whatever you you accept. I mean, we all have to be aggressive in this business, but but you know, make plans to be able to do good with whatever it is that you accept. Mm, I like that. Usually, uh, you know, hard work, keep your nose to the grindstone. But I, I have to say that's very unique and. I like that. That that is very very good. Ferris, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for your time, and we wish you the best of luck on and off the track. Good luck, and we'll be looking for you in the winter circle, hopefully this Saturday, sir. It great talking to you, and and uh, good luck to all your fans with their wagers. Thank you very much. That's been Ferris Allen. Join us from Hot Hand of Colonial Downs, Maryland. You got to catch him while you can, because he sounds like a very busy man. Speaking of a busy man. Next gentleman on hold, he's going to be joining us. I'll tell you what, you can always see him when he's heading in the water circle because he's always got that one-of-a-kind smile. Joining us now is the hot-handed rider, Mr. John Court. John, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. But thanks for taking your time and, and joining us this evening. Uh, th- this being your first visit with Mr. Court, uh, would you mind telling our listeners a bit about how you first decided to become a professional rider? Well, that was over 30 years ago, so I'll have to uh, dust off the archives there on my memory. But I, uh, it was just, uh, I, Ed, I just followed a, pursued a childhood dream. It was uh, something I pursued uh, as, as young as I could remember. And at first, uh, I remember parents and, and friends saying, oh, that's very cute. And then later on, they got a little concerned. But I pursued my education, but I was always, uh, going to the barns and going to the farms and getting on horseback and dealing with the horses. So uh, I would uh, dabble away from uh, the racing or the horses, and uh, then I'd find myself back uh, with the horses on a full-time basis. It's kind of hard. Once it's in your blood, uh, no matter what what instrument you play in the game of racing, once it's there, it's hard to get out, isn't it? 
Well, I enjoy the horses, and uh, I've just had that equine desire and that love for the equine. So here I am to this day at 50 years of age and still competing with these young 20-year-olds. <laughs> you know, nobody would have ever guessed that for for a Diet Coke unless you would have said that. But 50 years young, and, and this year you had a super year, winning the grade one Arkansas Derby with Hard Charge Charge impressively and then getting your first mount in the Kentucky Derby for your father-in-law, Jinx Fires, who was a, a guest, and he, and, he, and he spent time with us. And What a marvelous man. Tell us about your big day for the Run for the Roses. Well, I'll tell you, it was very uh, exciting, very inspiring, and to get to the Kentucky Derby um, in this stage of my career was one of the highlights, but at the same time, at the end of the Derby, it was one of the most humbling experiences I felt, so I went from the highest of the highs with the opportunity. I really believe this horse, with things going his way, could have been a, a contender and into the Triple Crown. However, it didn't turn out that way, and I'm uh, seasoned enough to know that those are the way things, the, the cookie crumbles, or the way the ball rolls, or whatever you want to call it, but... Uh, it was very heartbreaking after the race, but uh, I will say uh, getting there was a, a highlight of my career, and um, with my father-in-law, it was very exciting. It couldn't have been any better, and uh, we rode that um, train as long as it could go with the uh, with the best and the highest of expectations, but uh, at the end, the horse is going to be all right, and he's already got 40 to 50 mares. He's going to be a sire or a stud horse, and he's already in the breeding season, so and I'm looking to get involved in that as well because uh, I really uh, bonded with this horse very well. I was even training with him and, and exercising him and working him quite regularly, so I enjoyed him immensely. And um, it was just the highest of highs, but at the same time, you know, it keeps you grounded with the reality of what could really happen. John, you strike me as a man who doesn't mince words or make many excuses, but from what I, I read, saw, and reread, and went back and watched, it looked like you had a saddle slip. You were bumped multiple times, and, and not making any excuses. But uh, the Derby lives up to one of the toughest races to, to ride in, I would imagine. Yeah, it does, and it's uh, not only tough and competitive, but it's uh, an emotional ride as well. So we got to experience, uh, in my opinion, with the family and what have you involved, uh, and friends and fans and the the following of the arkansas uh and we had just a big a big following so it was a very uh touching and uh very great experience so i wouldn't trade it for anything and i hope to uh continue to move on and experience just as much excitement as i can here in the future I love the optimism, and I and I hope uh, Jinx has another uh, round, uh, a round or a bullet in his belt uh, for a later day, and and you'll be aboard as well, John. In, in your profession and in your professional life in the game off of the saddle, you've been affiliated with some some board memberships and assigned positions. Would you mind speaking to that for us? Yeah, I've worked on several boards from early on. I've even been involved with the ministries of the uh, Racetrack Chaplaincy of America early on and then I've worked on some other uh boards and uh basically I put a lot of time on the executive board of the the jockeys guild which was almost it just almost we almost lost the guild bottom line and we were able to salvage what we had and um a lot of us got to work to say what we could and we had lost a lot of membership and a lot of our uh, uh support but uh we were able to rebuild and come back and we're back in a position of negotiating and being a part of the industry 
but uh, I've also uh, served on those boards, and uh, now I serve, and I continue to serve on the uh, Permanently Disabled Jockey Fund, which is one of them that uh, my heart's taken to. And that's about the only uh, executive position I serve at this particular time, but um, I uh, stay um, pretty much plugged in as I possibly can to help uh, the riders that have fallen by the wayside and somewhat's forgotten, but uh, they've not been forgotten by the industry, and they remember by the industry is recognizing it's not a jockey problem, that it's an industry uh, responsibility, and they live up to that. So uh, we're doing really well with that, and that's where my main focus is. And um, I've uh, dedicated time that I've specifically needed for that, and uh, I uh, enjoy it. I'm sure that many people were thankful that uh, that you actually stepped up to the plate and took part with uh, the uh, the hard work and efforts of many others. And I think it's just as important uh, that that we recognize it as a business that needs to be tended to, and just not expect that things will fall into place. 2004, you shift your tack to California after winning titles at Ellis, Oakland, Turfway, Kentucky Downs, and Birmingham. What prompted the move to go to California? Well, I had some uh, clients that were the Leathermans, and that would be uh, uh, the primary reason that I went out there. It was just their influence, and when they would ship horses in different parts of the country, I had the opportunity to go ride them, so they just kept pressing for me to come out to California, and it, as it turned out, they uh, had quite a few horses running and in training, and they were trained under Doug O'Neill, and I primarily rode everything they had, not for Doug, but for the Leathermans, and... um I uh, had some very good success with them. It was some of the premier uh, years of my career out of the 30 years. Some of my best uh, three years that I've had in my career was riding for the Leathermans. But as racing would have it, sometimes things just kind of got a little idle there, and as changing with short fields and the racing, and I went ahead and moved my tack back to Kentucky after a five-year um, stint out there, and I had a great time in Los Angeles, but... Uh, this country boy came on home, and I've continued <laughs> to do well here. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed this uh, this career I've had going. And at, at my age, I, I feel as good as I could ever feel, and I actually love it. So I love getting out there and competing with these guys. And some of them seek some advice, and I help them out, whether it be too hot or uh, of a day or how do you stay warm in the winter or how do you handle a certain horse or a particular or a certain character or style of running. So uh, I enjoy all the uh, different uh aspects of the game and uh, i want to continue as long as i possibly can a competitor a mentor and and a major player in the game that, that to make it make it a much safer and better place uh, i don't think there's any higher calling but i have to ask you this hollywood goes to the races with the reality documentary jockeys and i believe that was your screen debut for the first season yeah, that was kind of fun. In fact, uh, we had about 12 of us that signed on, and only about four of us ended up uh, doing the show when you realized what you had to step up to the plate. But I was well aware that we were going to make it as real as possibly and um, and bring it to the forefront of what it's like uh, at the races, what it's like behind the races, on our personal lives, in the locker room, and um, whatever else we could do to uh, bring a new... Uh, fanfare or some interest into some people who probably never ever give racing a second look and then to this day i continue when I'm, whether i'm at an airport or a restaurant people come up shake my hand and say we were at the races today and we would have never gone to the races but we enjoyed the show jockeys and 
And uh, it's something that I really feel satisfied about, and I wish it could continue to go onward with uh, some kind of exposure, because this is one of our hereditary uh, heritage, this uh, racing industry, and so many sports entities entities and uh, other interests that are out there that uh, people can just... uh, divulge their interests in, in one way or another, but I always thought that, you know, this is one of our um, founding sports, and I'd like to con- continue to see it uh, move forward by all means. Well, as as in keeping with all reality documentaries, it, it was riveting. The entire time, it, it was uh, like watching just about anything that you want to flip a channel on and watch. Uh, jockeys kind of grabbed you, even if you were just a novice fan, a, a hardcore uh, uh, watcher of the races, or a first-time or never. It, it really just kind of grabbed you and really showed you what what athletes that riders are and and what you have to go through on a daily basis i i thought it was just an incredible way to open that door well thank you and i appreciate that i know they came in one day let me give everyone an example here is they said that they wanted me to and i was the guy that was the older rider trying to hold on to the career instead of building the career trying to still hold on to what uh he had had built up to and not wanting to fade out so fast so i uh i stepped up to the plate and i wasn't worried about any any part of embarrassment or anything whether it be of my home life or on the racetrack so they wanted to sit show some scenes and i said well i'll show you what a rider does when he gets mad and i swooped the boots off the shelf and that was one of my signature moves <laughs> that everybody seemed to love and they used it on every show so now every now and then people will tell me they like the uh, show and i said well i'm glad you enjoyed the show because if you didn't like it i'd come over and knock all your boots off the shelf <laughs> always get a good laugh <laughs> I'll but, take uh, care of your shoes if you're not careful, uh, young man. Yeah, I'll just sweep all your shoes right off the shelf. <laughs> but it was fun. It was um, it was it was pretty time consuming. Uh, you would maybe get ten seconds out of three hours of shooting, but wow. uh, that's what we had to do. And we all stepped up to the plate that those that committed to it. And I uh, really respect all those guys that stood in there and and tried to make the show go the best we possibly could. Speaking of stepping up to the plate, in the world of racing, one of the most prestigious honors a rider can receive is the George Wolf Memorial Jockey Award. And for a participant, it's who demonstrates high standards of personal and professional conduct on and off the racetrack. And in 2007, one lucky gentleman was the recipient. What did this mean to your career? Well, I tell you, just being nominated for that was an uh, incredibly uh, sensational feeling. And actually, winning the George Wolf was, uh, was kind of struck very humbling. But and then have to get up and make that speech on a, you know, if you're on national TV, if you were plugged into a horse racing channel anyway. But um, it was very touching. It's one of the most uh, mem- memorable moments in my life and my career. And um, I can't think enough for the riders that, because my peers all voted for me, and uh, I guess that would have to be uh, for their their memory, and they've remembered me standing up for riders. Even if I had a problem with a rider, I would jump in there to bat with him to support him, because I know regardless if we had our differences as a jockey, you have to stand by it, because that was his livelihood or whatever may have been. And in different uh, racing jurisdictions, I've had to step up to the plate. Uh, I have done that quite regularly, whereas now I'm not probably near as active. I'm I'm more into uh, grooming some of these other younger riders to uh, step up to the plate, teach them, and they've done real well, by the way. But I think that's all paid back, and uh, they remember that. And when the uh, 
the vouchers vouchers went out and everyone went to vote. Um, they voted for me, so I was very touched, and I feel blessed by that. There's no higher respect than to be respected by your peers that you compete with, and you, you bump and you, and you cut off, and and they do the same, and it gets ugly out there. But at the end of the day, the respect and and the honor is going to live with you for the rest of your life, and and throughout time, your name will be etched up there with some of the. Uh, some the greats of racing john in 2011 where can fans expect to see you shift your tech well 2011 i'll pretty much intend to stay on the same circuit i'll be in the midwest i will make some uh, travel arrangements from time to time i i may even be out to california we got horses that are pointing in that direction and i do uh show up there from the east coast to the west coast i have been known to go overseas and uh, I won the Japan Cup there in 2003, so um, Japan, Japan Cup dirt for the, the Leathermans for Doug O'Neill on Fleet Street Dancer. So there's no telling where I may end up because um, I feel good, I feel fit, and um, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in tune to this game. And uh, I'm pr- pretty much going to stay right here to the Kentucky circuit. I do Oaklawn in the winter, but I do venture out and about, whether it be New Orleans or Florida, wherever I'm at in the winter up. Uh, I always ride horses, so that's what I do, and I enjoy it, and I'm going to continue to do it. For race fans of all walks, I, I would have to say when you see John Court in the saddle, you'll always uh, be able to pick him out uh, of the post parade. He'll be the one smiling. He'll have a serious look beforehand, but when you see him heading into the winter circle, he'll have that big, bright smile. Mr. Court, it's been an honor and a pleasure to chat with you, and on behalf of Winning Ponies, we wish you the very best for you and yours, and we're going to be looking for you in the winter circle soon, my friend. Well, thank you, Ed. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been our pleasure. John Court, a man of racing, was on Jockey Start. You got it. You know it. Well, I'll tell you what, what a nice guy. All right, we're going to jump out, and we're going to do a little bit of final furlong handicapping. We, we've got a lot to do here. We, we, we can't stop it right now. Let it all happen. Let it all begin. Let's talk about what's going to be happening this Saturday, and that is the I can't believe it. It's already the 16th of of July. Where does it go? Delaware has the Delaware Handicap. It's a grade two. Colonial, the Virginia Derby, a grade two event. Hollywood, the American Oaks, grade one. Parks Racing, the Greenwood Cup. Hollywood has the Agleam Handicap. Woodbine, the Collins Stakes. Woodbine, Toronto Cup. Colonial, Virginia Oaks, a grade three. Finger Lakes has the New York Derby, Hollywood, the Landalusi Stakes, Belmont, the Jaipur Stakes, Grade 3, Delaware, the Sussex Stakes, Arlington, the Arlington Sprint, Delaware has the Carpenter Junior Memorial, Hollywood, the Turkish Trouser Stakes, wow, Monmouth, Serena Song Stakes, Prairie Meadows, the Prairie Gold, River Downs has the Norm Barron, Prairie Meadows has the Prairie Gold, Sacramento has the California State Fair, and Mammoth has the classy briefcase and colonial, the Chenery Stakes. We've got a lot of action this weekend here. And speaking to that, we, we now actually know what's happening out there. So it's, it's, time to, it's time to buckle down, do a little homework, and let's start with colonial. My good friend Tyler Picklesheimer has, with he and his staff, have put together a marvelous card. And this is Virginia Derby weekend at Colonial. Highlighted by the $600,000 grade two Virginia Derby on the weeds as about, I would say, about a good 90 
5% of the races are on the weeds, and they have remarkable courses, as, as actually he attested to when he was our guest a few times. We're going to start with the fourth race at Colonial, and this is the Chenery. It's five and a half furlongs. Dane Kabiski, trainer, once upon a time, very nice rider, former Marine, is loaded. I mean, he's actually loaded. I believe he has three in here. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't, wow, another one, another one, another one. I go with one of his runners, Lemon Juice. And Lemon Juice uh, really made a nice run. I went back and watched it, angled out at the 16th pole, a very sharp effort. Dane is winning 24% of the time, and that is a very nice uh, run. Ran five furlongs with his two-year-old colt by Johannesburg and finished a nose short. So you got to love that. I'm going on the Kabiski bandwagon on the fourth race with Lemon Juice. Fifth race, we're going to go five and a half to $50,000. The Tippet for two-year-old fillies, and there are tons, tons of early foot in, in here. Who's going to make the lead? Who's going to dictate the pace? They're going five and a half furlongs, and sometimes don't blink because the race can be over before you actually, uh, you, you, you just blink and it's gone, and you're going to be wondering who won, what happened in here I like Promise Me, Corey Nakatani for Michael Pino. And as you heard Ferris Allen, he was chatting about Michael Pino. He's having a tremendous meet. He's winning 48% of the time. And this two-year-old filly by Seattle fits in the fifth race, the tip at one by three and a quarter lengths at Woodbine. Going to make the poly to the turf run here. Now, I've seen this happen at more than one track. Woodbine is a tremendous oval for, for sending that right off of the poly onto the weeds. I think Nakatani being aboard for Mike Pino is just going to be a knockout punch. I love Promise Me, Mike Pino. I, I see that to be a very nice runner indeed. The Sixth of Colonial is the Kitten's Joy, $50,000 a mile and a 16th up for grabs here. In this three-year-olds and upward, it took me a little while to really kind of get into this. I mean, not because it wasn't exciting, because it was really tough to handicap. Now, Alan, uh, Alan Ferris has a horse here by the name of Blazin, who actually uh, exits off a win, and I really liked Blazin, and I ended up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say that this is going to be a real nice it's going to be easy to remember the B's, Blazin, and I like Baletti. Corey Nakatani once again for Michael Pino, and this is the second time off of a layoff. For me, that's a big move. Um, once again, Michael Pino winning at 48%, been shooting more bullets in the morning than Jesse James. Baletti really, to me, looks the part. Going to go from a mile to a mile in the 16th, and, and, and I see this to be a really, really big day in Virginia. I hope that they get the weather to make it, uh, to make it all that. And Mr. Pino is winning 34% on the turf. Second off the layoff, he's a 34% winner as well. They say the numbers don't lie. Good luck, Mr. Pino. I'm going to use you with Mr. Allen, though. Hopefully we'll get the exacta out of that race. And then in the seventh race at Colonial, the Virginia Oaks, it's a grade three event. A mile and an eighth on the turf. Very nice race indeed. This race was, once again, was very tough for me. It's, these were well assembled. There was a meeting of many, many very nice runners indeed. And I could name five or six, but I had to come right out to one, and that's Dynamic Holiday. Julian Lepreau and Graham Motion teaming up. As a matter of fact, Graham Motion is going to be joining us next week as our special guest. Graham Motion uh, training and been off from the races since March 13th, 
in the Here Comes the Bride off of a victory, sometimes that is a really good move for uh, for horse players. That when they put them on the shelf and they're they're off of a win, we know that Grand Motion is a very patient and methodical trainer, and the Derby attests to that. Uh, uh, Dynamic Holiday really, really grabs me. And, and I think that Mr. Motion is going to do a tremendous job. Winning on the last start, he comes back to roll at 25%. He's a 21% turf running uh, trainer. I, I really like that. Julian LePru has my heart and will have my $2 on this wager. I like Dynamic Holiday. And he's actually his sire, her sire, I should say, is Harlan's Holiday. And Harlan's Holiday holds a very special place in my heart. Dynamic Holiday, going to come fresh, going to come ready. And you can better believe that Grand Motion is going to bring this Pennsylvania bread for Mr. George Strawbridge in fine fashion. So, uh, so Dynamic Holiday, from there, I, I'm going to have to probably stretch for my exotics, but Dynamic Holiday gets my top money. The eighth race at Colonial is the Grade 2 Virginia Derby. It's a mile and a quarter on the turf, $600,000. I could go seven or eight right down the line, just like the Oaks. Calling a hard 10 looks good. Air support, Newstad, street game, casino host looks tremendous. Band, can you believe that? The Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, he ran fifth and it looks terrific. But I'm going to go right back to Grand Motion again. Crimson China. Crimson China, Grand Motion, Julian Le Peru, they've been off since May 28th from Monmouth Park, exiting off of a win. Now, I started paying attention to, to Crimson China in the rush away at Turfway Park. They wanted to run this colt in the, the bigger race, the, the Vinery Lane's End, but for earnings, it actually kept him out and put in Animal Kingdom. They put an Animal Kingdom in the big race. They were actually going to be flip-flopped. Crimson China is the real deal. If you go back and you take a look at these turf races and take a look at the Lamplighter, a $70,000 stake, Alan Garcia was aboard, wins by a solid length. Julian Lepreau comes back with a fresh horse here. The two times that they had uh, firm, uh, firm running here on the, on the uh, weeds, you're seeing victories. And I have to say, by Giants Causeway, another one of my favorites for Mr. Motion and these two, the rider and trainer team up to win 15% of the time. I think these are numbers that you really have to respect. Been working very well in the morning. And as I said, exiting off and coming back and winning that last race yields a 25% win clip for Mr. Graham Motion. He's a very patient, very methodical, and a wonderful trainer. And Julian Lepreau, not a better hand. He's, he's very gentle in the saddle, and he actually finds not a way to lose. So hopefully a, a safe trip for uh, Crimson China, who is actually going to get $4 of my money of this week. Welp, time flies. And time flies when you're talking about thoroughbred racing, and this week is definitely no different. Winning Ponies would like to thank our special guests, Mr. Ferris Allen and John Court for joining us, and you for taking time to tune in. So until next week, when we'll be chatting with Derby winning trainer Graham Motion here on Winning Ponies, may your winners be many. And your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone, and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.